Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Hey, Montrose Church, how are you? Can you hear me? Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Pastor Dave is not here, as you can tell. He and Cindy are enjoying some time uh, with some other pastors, uh, kind of a training fellowship, rest trip, so we're thinking of praying for them. But when he's gone, that means I get to come preach to y'all, so I'm excited about that. Thank you. Appreciate those pity claps. Just kidding. So far, so good. We haven't gone too far, but yeah. No, good to be with you all. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series, First Things First. It's our new series, kicked it off 2023. Looking forward to this new year, and, and what are the first things that we need to be thinking about as Jesus followers? So we've been in First Peter, awesome book. Uh, the Apostle Peter is, is encouraging and teaching and giving helpful tips to the churches scattered across Asia, Asia Minor. And so uh, we will be there again. Our text for this morning is First Peter 2, 9 and 10. So if you want to kind of get ready for that. But we're actually going to start in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. And we're going to be talking about identity this morning, identity. And really, this maybe could have been the first sermon in the whole series this year. Because it's such an essential part of who we are as, as people and who we are as Jesus followers. Let's begin with this question. Who are you? Who are you? Now, some of you immediately are like, well, my name is, you know, this, and I do this, and some of you deeper thinkers are like, you're right, who am I? <laughs> Let me think about that. Who are you? Uh, another way to ask that question is, where do you find your identity? Or where do you get your identity from? It's an important question. All of humanity, we have always wrestled with this identity thing. We pursue different things, we seek out different things, and we struggle with it. Where do we find our identity? But it's important to think about. Timothy Keller says this about identity. The Bible says that our real problem is that every one of us is building our identity on something besides Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, says this about the tossing and turning and the back and forth of our identity as humans. Who am I? This one or, or that one? Am I then this one today or tomorrow another? Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian, in a similar but comedic way, says this. Who am I? How did I get into the world? And why was I not asked about it? And if I am compelled to be involved, where is the manager? I have something to say about this. And then Eugene Peterson, the awesome Christian author who translated the, the message version of the Bible, passed a couple years ago, just a great Christian author says this, my identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There's something previous to what I think about myself, and it is what God thinks of me. I love that. It's not even what we think about ourselves. It's what God thinks of us. And what does God think of you, church? What does he think of you? We'll get back to that. But first, let's jump to Matthew 3, 13 through 17. As we're flipping there, and it'll come up on the screen here, this is a pivotal moment in the the life of Jesus. Before he begins his earthly ministry, and, and actually right after this, he'll go into the wilderness and, and battle it out with Satan, and then he will 
start his earthly ministry, right? Perform miracles, teach, and all these kind of things. Ultimately, we'll go to the cross and, and die for the sins of all humanity, and then we'll be raised three days later. But before all that, there's this little story. Uh, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Jesus convinced John. He convinced him. It's like, uh, you're Jesus. I'll baptize you. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Some versions say, this is my beloved son. An important, pivotal moment for Jesus. And right away, friends, what do we see? Where does Jesus get his identity from? He gets it from God. He gets it from heaven before he goes on this crazy journey that will be uh, so amazing ultimately for all of us. He gets his identity from God, from heaven, from the voice of his father saying, this is my beloved son. And scholars kind of argue about, did, did Jesus know fully who he was before this moment? Did he realize fully that he was the, the son of God or was this the moment? Right? Or maybe he already knew before, right, because he was in the temple when he was 12, and he says, I was with my father, right, all those kind of things. And they're kind of unsure. But regardless, this is a, such an important moment for Jesus as he's on this journey to discover his identity. It launches him on an amazing journey. Now, back to our question. For all of us, where do you get your identity from? Where do I get my identity from? Where do we get our identity from? Is it from heaven? Is it from the voice of our Father? Or is it from somewhere else? Somewhere else on earth. Where do we get our identity from? Identity has always been a struggle. And maybe sometimes we do well and, and we're re really leaning into that identity that God calls us, right? Or maybe we're, we're struggling with something else. Some other identity that's pulling at us. But regardless, it's a problem. Okay, three movements to this sermon. Uh, they're not really points, but three movements, okay? The first is the problem. The second is the truth. And the final one will be the reminder. The problem, the truth, the reminder. You got it? All right, the problem. And we just talked about this a little bit. But the problem is we have an identity crisis as a culture. We do. We struggle with identity. We find our identity in all kinds of things and not God. A pastor who I love, his name is John Mark Comer. He says there's four areas that we typically uh, place our identity in. Um, four areas, and so I want to go through these real quick. The first is performance. I am what I do. I am what I do. When you're at a party or, or some kind of dinner gathering, right, and, and you introverts are like, I never go to parties. <laughs> I don't even go outside, right? Just kidding, you do. Um, and the extroverts are like, yeah, I was at a dinner party last night, actually, yeah. You're at a party, and you're talking to some people. They're new people, and, and, and you introduce each, you, you know, your names to each other and all that kind of stuff. Then what's the very next question that usually uh, comes out of their, their mouth? What do you do? That's right. What do you do? And how do we really answer that? Typically, how do we answer that? It's, we usually say, oh, I do this. and this. It's kind of like a resume, right? I do this, I do this. I, I volunteer like every other Tuesday at this place, and Right? And not always, but, but sometimes when you're in a conversation with someone like that, 
you start to think, oh, they're, they're listing a lot of things. Like, that's a little bit more than just what they do, I think. That's an identity. It's an identity. Finding their identity in what we do. And it's easy for, to happen to all of us. Why? Because we live in an achievement society. An achievement society. Byung Chul An says this in his book, or, or he doesn't say this, but he talks about the in his book, The Burnout Society, he talks about our achievement society and how we as human beings can achieve all kinds of things. More than any other humans before us, right? We can achieve all kinds of things, so much opportunity, especially in our area, right? But he connects that with this idea that we are the most depressed and anxious people that have ever been, right? Why? Because we have this identity problem. We find it in what we do, what we do. Now, church, let me say this. What, what you do, what we do, it matters to God. It absolutely matters. It's important. We should glorify God with all the things that we're doing. But it's not who you are. You're so much more than that. So much more. Okay, for some of us, it's not our performance, but maybe it's our possessions. I am what I have. I am what I wear. I am what I text on. I am what I drive. I am what I have. I need this and this and that. Why? Because not only do we live in an achievement society, we live in a consumer society. You know this. We do. And I think this is, this is probably even more present in the Los Angeles area than some places in the U.S. But we feel the need to fill our lives with all kinds of different things. All kinds of possessions, that hole of identity. We try to place all kinds of things in it. And money is king, right? Because you can buy everything you've ever wanted and you can buy happiness. Can you? I don't know. There's a really interesting little story in the Bible that I want to show you all. A little, little interesting verse. It's found in the Old Testament. It's about Solomon. Solomon is many times regarded as the wealthiest and, and most powerful human being to ever live, right? And a really interesting little story. And I want you guys to listen close here so no one misconstrues this, right? And uh, it's, it's a little cool story, but... So there's 1 Kings 10, 14, talks about how Solomon, every single year, he would uh, weigh his gold that he received. Every year, right? And Israel as an empire was just thriving at this time. Massive army, right? All kinds of different things going on. Just the empire was just killing it. And Solomon weighs his gold every single year, 1 Kings 10, 10, 14. And it says that every single year, the amount of gold he received was the same. It was 666 talents of gold. Okay, 666. Now, everybody take a deep breath, okay? I'm not going to talk about the end of the world, the mark of the beast, or anything like that, okay? But before it shows up in Revelation, it shows up here in 1 Kings in the Old Testament. And the writer of 1 Kings is saying something here because it doesn't make sense that the gold that Solomon would be receiving would be the same. That doesn't really make sense. It would fluctuate, right? But the author is trying to say something specific. Every single year, Solomon would gather, would consume, would keep the empire moving forward, and he would weigh the gold, and it would be 666 talents. But the author is saying, because 666 is the number of incompletion. It's the number of incompletion. So the author is saying every single year, the, Solomon weighed his gold, and it was never enough. It was incomplete. So he had to keep moving forward. He had to keep going. He had to keep the empire moving forward and gathering, right? All those kind of things. He had to keep going. And he was trapped in this cycle of, of just 
wealth and, and, and possessions, right? So he gathered armies and, and wives and all these kind of things. And ultimately, church, it would be his downfall because his identity slowly went away from God and, and went to his possessions and all kinds of different things. Does that make sense? Okay, if you have any problems with that, just go ahead and email austin.nielsen at marchuschurch.org. Just kidding, but really cool little insight there. Really cool. Church, if we're not careful, we can get in that trap as well in our modern-day society. I am what I have. No, you're not. You're more than that. Right? Some of us have a lot, and some of us have very little. And hopefully we are doing amazing things and glorifying God with whatever we have, but we are much more than what we have. Much more. Uh, performance, possessions. The third one is pleasure. I am what I want. We have all kinds of desires as human beings. But if we're not careful, sometimes desires can run our lives. Run our lives. Here's a little kind of example, a little corny example. I am a foodie. Right? Is anybody foodies in here? Right, you love food? Okay. I wouldn't really classify myself as a foodie, but you can ask Shaylee. I do love food, right? I do love food, all kinds of food. Um, but you ever talking to somebody and they say something like that? I'm a foodie, I'm a this, I'm a that. And, and, and those things are fun, but, for, but if we're not careful, those things can be identity pieces, right? And um, we can take this all kinds of different ways, but we are much more than our desires. And that's why God has... has given us the Imago Day. That's why we're different than animals, because we don't have to just do what we feel. We have a choice, right, to show some restraint on what we're feeling and our desires, and that's very important. But if we're not careful, we can think, I am what I want. I am my desires. No, you're not. You're much more than that. Much more than that. Okay, uh, performance, possessions, pleasure, popularity. Popu <laughs> popularity. I am what other people think of me. And this is really prevalent with uh, the high school kids that I work with, young adults. Um, but really as all humans, I don't know if we ever outgrow the junior high or high school lunchroom. <laughs> right? I don't know if we ever grow out of that. Do you ever walk into somewhere, maybe it's church, maybe it's a, a coffee shop, your job or something, and you, you feel some sort of pressure? A pressure to, to be cool, to be smart? to be beautiful, right? Because we're really caring about what other people think of us. And, and some of that's okay, right? But if we're not careful, it can be an identity that causes all kinds of problems and can be an exhausting trap. And this makes me think of our, our social media world, the age of the selfie, you know? You guys know selfies? You guys have all taken selfies, I'm sure. Selfies, I don't know when, when the peak of selfies were, probably like five years ago maybe or something. But we still take selfies now. Selfies were originally supposed to be funny, you know? It's like, ah, like a funny picture of yourself. But do you ever get to somebody's social media feed, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's Instagram or something, and, and you're scrolling through it, and it's all selfies. It's just all the same photo. It's just, like, like, and then maybe they're wearing something different, you know, but it's like the same photo, right? And you're, you're, you're looking at this feed, and you're like, oh, they're, they're trying to be funny. And then you're like, oh, no, they're not. Like, they're not, you know? They're like giving the like wannabe model face and like all this kind of stuff, right? And again, hang with me here, but and so it's like okay, like that's a little bit vain and arrogant, you know, it's okay. But there, there's something below that. There's something underneath that. Where 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 the person posting those things is saying, hey, 
Hey, would someone pay attention to me? Would someone like this photo? Maybe even someone would comment something nice about me, think I'm beautiful, right? And again, some of that's okay. But social media especially can really cause us to be in this trap of finding our identity in what other people think of us. You are more than what people think about you. You're much more than that. Now, it doesn't give us the excuse to go be jerks, right? But we are much more than what people think of us. Performance, possessions, pleasure, and popularity. Those are the big four, and there's much more, church. There is. But those are kind of the big four that we can struggle with and place our identity in. So I want you to think about those four. Okay, now maybe one, it just nails it on the head. It's like, yep, that's me. Or maybe it's just a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one, right? Maybe, maybe so. Where are the places that we place our, our identity in? Now, there's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't place our identity in these things. But one of, the main one, one of the main ones is that all these things will fade away. All of them. They will all fade away. Right? What happens if you lose your job? Right? What happens when you get old and you're not as beautiful as you once were? Right? What happens when you die and you can't take your possessions with you? All of it will fade away, so it's not the, 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 the foundation of Christ that we should place our identity on. That's, it's, it should be on him and not the shifting sands of those other things. All right, the problem. Number two, the truth. So what is the truth about our identity? We struggle with some different things, but what is the truth? Let's jump to our First Peter text here. First Peter 2, 9 and 10. And quick little context here is, Right before Peter talks about uh, what we're going to read here in a, in a moment, he talks about how Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone, the, the essential building piece to the structure. If the cornerstone is not there, everything else will fall down. And so this fits perfectly with what we're talking about with identity today and what we'll read right here. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you, but you, but you, church, right, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're holy. You're God's special possession. Some translations say you're God's treasure. When's the last time you woke up and said, I am holy? <laughs> Has anybody ever done that? Maybe. I'm holy. I'm God's special possession. All right. Let's add Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. Just think about that list for a moment. Chosen, holy, treasure at God's special possession, masterpiece, not some average painting, but a masterpiece. How different is, are those voices and the voices we hear in our world about us? What if that was the soundtrack we woke up to every single day? Hey, I'm holy. I'm God's special possession. Versus waking up and just letting the negative thoughts just roll all over us. Looking in the mirror and being disgusted and not wanting to take on the day. But what if God's voice was louder? What if we found our identity in those things? The things that our Father says about us? And I love this First Peter text because it, it, it kind of, it's a little bit of Exodus vibes in this, right? You weren't a people, 
You were not a people. You were in bondage and slavery. But then I brought you up out of that. You didn't even have an identity as a slave. But then I brought you out of that, and now you are my people, whom I love, right? Who are holy and my special possession and all those kind of things. And now you can declare the praises of the one who has brought you out of darkness. And church, it's the same for us. When we were caught in our sin and our bondage, our identities were all over the place. And then God did something and brought us about. Uh, remember that Eugene Peterson quote? Uh, my identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. There's something previous to what I think about myself. It is what God thinks of me. Because we think all kinds of things about ourselves, don't we? All kinds of things. But what does God think? He thinks we're chosen and holy in his special possession and masterpieces. That is what we must root our identity in, what Christ says about us. Just like Jesus, as he comes out of the water, the booming voice of his father, can we hear the voice of our father who's telling us those things this morning? Let it wash over you, church. Get it deep within your heart and your bones. Let it be something when you wake up you can cling to. You can cling to. Number three, the reminder. What kind of things remind you of your identity? I hope this makes sense here, but and, and there's all kinds of things that are trying to pull at us, trying to get our identity, right, to go this way or another way. All kinds of voices. And here... Here's a little example, the mall. You guys ever go to the mall still, or is that just like, no? It's like, oh, I just go to Amazon, <laughs> you know? Um, the mall. The mall is, 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 is trying to shape an identity in you. Did you know this? When you're going through the mall, everything's set up really nice and, and perfect, and yes, there's less people walking through the malls nowadays, but there's still some people. And it's trying to shape you to be a specific kind of person, a consumer, right? I am what I have. And so you'll see like the mannequin or whatever. It's got this sweet pair of Jordans and it's like, it's pulling you, right? It's like, you're not, you're not worthy. You're not valuable unless you have these cool pair of shoes or whatever it may be, right? It's shaping you to be a specific kind of person. It's reminding you of that identity. I am what I have, the possessions thing. And there's all kinds of things. We could go through everything, uh, the whole list, all kinds of things that are pulling at us that we do day after day for our identity. But, but how do we remind ourselves of our identity in Christ, right? Because that's the truth. We just talked about how that was the truth. How do we remind ourselves of our identity in Christ? There's this little verse in John 13, 23. It's a really interesting little verse, and I want you all to, to check this out. But first, John's gospel is a beautiful gospel, right? But you, have you guys ever noticed how John is always talking about himself? The disciple whom Jesus loved. John is referring to himself, you know. And then he, like, talks about how he's faster than the other disciples, too, you know. It's like, okay, John, kind of arrogant, bro. Really interesting. So here's the little verse, John 13, 23. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved, again, he's talking about himself, okay, and this happens in the upper room. One of his disciples whom Jesus loved was leaning against Jesus' chest. That's the verse. Really interesting. I kind of imagine they're like kind of leaning back and Jesus is like holding like his little bro, you know, like maybe gives him a nuggie or something, you know, <laughs> kind of imagine that. But, but, he, but he leans against his chest. That's what the verse says. Really interesting. Uh, Brennan Manning says this about this little verse. We must not hurry past this scene in search of deeper revelation. 
or we will miss a significant insight. John lays his head on the heart of God. God allows a young Jew reclining in the rags of his 20-odd years to listen to his heartbeat. Have you ever seen the human Jesus at closer range? Clearly, John was not intimidated by Jesus. He was not afraid of his Lord and Master. As John leans back on the chest of Jesus and listens to the heartbeat of the great rabbi, now hear this, church, he comes to know him in a way that surpasses mere cognitive knowledge. John experienced Jesus as the human face of God who is love. And in coming to know who the great rabbi is and coming to know who Jesus is, John discovers who he is, the disciple Jesus loved. Manning continues, if John were asked, what is your primary identity, your most coherent sense of yourself, John would not reply, I'm a disciple, I'm an apostle, I'm an evangelist. No, John would reply, I am the one Jesus loves. Really interesting. To remind ourselves of our worth, our value, our identity in Christ, Christ, we have to get close to the heart of Jesus, the great rabbi, the one who shows us unconditional love and we don't deserve it. We have to get back to the heart of Christ. Because, friends, there's all kinds of things that are, all kinds of voices that are trying to pull us all kinds of different ways, different identities. But if we don't, don't, don't get back to the heart of Jesus, we will miss that amazing truth that he loves us so much and that you are chosen and that you are holy, and that you are God's special possession, your treasure, and you're a masterpiece, right? So get back to the heart of Jesus, right? And I don't know what that looks like for you. For some of you, that's some intimate prayer and, and moments of solitude, right? For some of you, that's reading the Psalms and reading Scripture, right? As Pastor Dave was talking about praying the Psalms last week. Maybe it's listening to worship music. Maybe it's getting out into nature, going for a hike, right, and praying there. I don't know what it is for you. But we need to do it because we need to have our identity rooted in Christ. And there's all kinds of things trying to shape us. But we have to get back to the heart of Jesus. Amen, church? We have to get back to the heart of Jesus. All right, um, I want to close with this, uh, this little kind of, it's not really a story, but it's just telling you a little about the high school ministry here at Montrose Church. And we have a theme in the high school ministry here. Um, these guys could probably say it. Um, you're, you're known by God, you're loved by God, you're chosen by God. Okay, three words. Known, loved, chosen. Known, loved, chosen. You got it? Known, loved, chosen. And so we, we go on a freshman trip with the high school kids and uh, go down to San Clemente, a beautiful time, and we talk about known, loved, chosen. What does it mean to be known by God, loved by God, chosen by God? And then throughout the high school ministry, the four years, we... We, we talk about it every now and again, right? Try to get it in their brains. And then we go on a senior trip when the high school kids are seniors. And again, what do we talk about? We talk about known, loved, and chosen, right? Because I hope they got it throughout those crazy years of high school. But I know that as seniors in high school, you're, you're kind of on the brink of going out into the crazy real world, right, of adulting and all these kind of things. And, or maybe you're going, to, right, you're going to college, you're going to the military force, you're, you're, you're just jumping into a job, whatever it may be. But I want them to know that this has to be the foundation. You're known by God, you're loved by God, you're chosen by God to do amazing things. Don't forget it. Because the world will try to pull us all kinds of different directions. 
And we do have an identity crisis as human beings. And so my challenge is the same for you, church. I want you to remember those three words. You're known by God. You're loved by God. You're chosen by God. And that has to be our identity. It can't be something else. Other things will fade away. Right? Just like the parable of the house, you know, and, the, and you have to build your house, your life, on the rock who is Christ. He is the cornerstone, as first Peter says right before our text for today. It's him. So when the storms and the waves and all those things come, you are rooted and stable in Jesus. You're known by God, loved by God, chosen by God. We good? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for this chance to gather as the body of Christ, and thanks for those online. God, we just want to take a moment, just sit in your presence, listen to your voice over us, because you tell us some things, God. You tell us that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are holy, that we are your special possession, we're treasure, we're your masterpiece. And it's so different than what the world tells us. So can we turn up the volume with those words over us today? Lord Jesus, I just pray for everyone in this room and everyone who's watching online that they would hear your voice over them. That they are known, loved, and chosen by you. And let it be our identity. When the crazy things of our world come, we will be rooted in the firm foundation who is Christ. So may we go from this place encouraged with your Holy Spirit right beside us, guiding us, encouraging us, empowering us to be your people. Can we be a people who know that we know that we know that we are known, loved, and chosen by you? And then can we just give your love away because of it? Just share it with all kinds of people. God, as we look forward to 2023, can this be a starting place? something that we need to get, right? And we'll struggle with it, but then we just get back to the heart of Jesus. Let's get back to the heart of Jesus. What does he say about me? Thank you so much for this time, Jesus. We love you. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.